Welcome to the curiosity of a child and another super mega special interview edition. Uh huh. We've got a good Christmas present for you lined up today. We do. Let's hope you enjoy unwrapping Gregoire. And Dan Beeson is smart enough to know better. Only no Dan. <laughs> uh huh. So what's smart enough to know better? Uh, it's another that's not canon podcast. Um, it's a podcast about science, or is it comedy, science, and ignorance? <laughs> Um, I've listened to a few of them and I really enjoy it. Yeah, they're a really good podcast. I've actually listened to all of them and we had our question answered by them on their 10-year anniversary episode, which is very good. And uh, to coincide again with our space theme that we've got at the moment and James Webb hopefully launching tomorrow, fingers crossed. Um, Greg works for a radio telescope place, I think, in Australia. Um, So... I emailed him and he very kindly um, decided to come and talk to us. And we, we had a great fun chat with him, didn't we, Anton? Yeah. So as we head over to the interview. Oh, my word. It is Goodness me. It is. And it's the mighty Anton and his sidekick, Rick. It is. <laughs> yes, Hello. <laughs> How are you? Rick, well, thank you. We're a little bit pink at the moment. Um, (laughs) It's all that that British sun that you have. um, I I suppose we should get you to introduce yourself, really, Greg. Absolutely. Hello, my name is Greg Wah, and I am from the Smart Enough to Know Better comedy podcast, or podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. Which is fantastic. I should actually actually know what my podcast is called after (laughs) all these years, but but I still make that mistake. Yeah, and... um, I've been a long-time listener, and Anton listens oh. quite a lot as well to the podcast, so I've uh, got two fans here. Oh my goodness, that's very, that's very, very kind. Thank you very much. Now, Anton, are you, you must be, I think my podcast is only, would only just be younger than you, I think, mm. only by a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's yeah. right, it's very true. How yes, old are you, Anton? Right. I am 11. 11, yes. Well, the podcast is now 11. So they're, you're probably very similar. Probably, well, it depends when you were born, I guess. What month, that sort of stuff. And probably a couple of months either way. There you go. Yeah. I've been doing this as long as you've been alive. And look at me, Anton. Look at me. <laughs> this is what happens. I hope you're not making you feel old now, Greg. Oh, no, 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 not at all. No, that's <laughs> fine. I, I love being my age. It's fantastic. I get away with all sorts of stuff now. It's fan- I have all the money for the toys and no one can tell me what to do. And I don't have to go to bed until I want to. It's the best. Yeah, it's living <laughs> the dream. <It's> absolutely. <laughs> actually, um, just to pile on the pressure here, you might actually be our Christmas special as well. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> no pressure for Gregoire at this point. Though. Yeah. All righty. Easy. No, I saw you. I saw that on Twitter that you were talking about that you just finished a recording and you had another one, a special guest coming up. And I was like, oh, I hope that's not me. I hope that's not <laughs> I hope they've got someone. Who, I hope they've got someone who's actually special. But uh... Oh, Greg, we, we did it. We spoke to another um, chap yesterday, actually, um, American guy. He's um, he's a astrophotographer. Just d- does it from his backyard. Um, and probably two, three weeks ago, I saw a photo of his. It came up just on one of my feeds or something. An amazing photo of the sun. Absolutely fantastic, which he had taken it. Um, 
can't remember, like 100 megapixels or something, so a massive image. Um, mm. So I thought, oh, I was researching Warren, Warren Delarue at the time who made the um, heliograph, the first instrument designed for photograph in the sun. So I thought, oh, this is perfect. Let's get this chap mm-hmm. on. And I know you love space as well. So I thought, ah, oh, I know a man who uh, likes space. <laughs> so just as a continuation of kind of our, our uh-huh. theme and the James Webb telescope being launched it's tomorrow, I think it is, isn't it? It's, uh, look, who knows now at this mm. point, the last time I checked, the rocket had been fueled and that mm-hmm. means they're pretty confident it's going to go. Yeah. So, but who, look, look, you know, look, I'm, I'm not going to look a gift <laughs> rocket in the mouth at this point, because who knows, it's already hundreds of millions over budget and many, many years out of date. So yeah. not out of date. That's, that's, it's still yeah. state, but yeah, who knows? Who knows? I, hope so. I think it's going to be, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, and look, that didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine being somebody working on a project like that because it is a lifetime project, these things become. And even uh, everything in space, like if you're sending a probe, what was it, New Horizons that went off to Pluto, and then you're you're waiting so many years to get back your results. 16 years later, (laughs) you launch it, and then you... And then all the cells in your body are replenished uh-huh. twice over. And that's not fully true, but you know, a lot of your cells are replenished twice over. So you're not even the same biological matter that you were when uh, it left. And, yeah. uh, and you've probably gone through a few changes. Yeah. It's, it's, and I mean, all the ones that went around, like the ones are Saturn and uh, all those sort of long-term missions. Voyager's still a thing. Mm-hmm. Voyager's out there back before Voyager was launched just after I was born and in 19... 19- <coughs> And, uh, uh-huh. and and <laughs> and so uh, yeah, and it's still being looked at and monitored and that sort of stuff. So yeah, yeah amazing. Um, so I was thinking with James Webb going up soon, because Hubble launching nineteen ninety, and then all those iconic images that came from it, um, which I remember when Anton's age were a bit more. So I'm hoping mm. there's going to be something similar coming from the James Webb telescope. Well, it's infrared though, isn't it? So is it going to? It is infrared. The same sort of image. It's no, I look, I'm not an expert on this 100%, but as far as I'm aware, the Hubble was more visible light, though, could go into the infrared mm-hmm. and also slightly ultraviolet as well, slightly. So it's yeah. just a wider, this is the way camera sensors work, and uh, you, could, you could see a wider field than human vision, but it was mainly visible. This one, uh, James Webb is, the JWST is uh, more near infrared to far infrared he says hoping he's correct and and also into the visible as well so it's more infrared because what they want to use it for is to see through the dust and gas that mm-hmm. is that's blocked how good your camera is if you've got a wall in the way you can't see through it so it doesn't make any difference so you need something that can see through that infrared uh, so it sees with that optical blocking stuff yeah so uh, infrared helps with that yeah and um i think looking back to the first moments of the universe isn't it uh, absolutely yes yeah, so they're trying to see the the basically the, the light that was um put out the visible light that was put out by galaxies right at the start or as close to the start as they can see back that's been stretched now by by red shifting into the into the infrared mm-hmm. so they want to see it would have been invisible light but now as the universe expands and that light travels towards us over billions of years then it gets stretched yeah and they can see these things that's the plan uh and it's i mean it's going to be it's gonna be mind blowing. I just people need to. I think it's not Hubble. It's a different instrument. It's mm-hmm. not just Big Hubble. It's not like Big Brother Hubble. <laughs> it's it's something else, which will still be amazing. Yeah, uh, it just be different. So, if that light's been stretched out though um, through the mm. expansion, 
And then, yeah, so the wavelengths increase, it's infrared. Could we effectively process it and sort of squash it back to get the exactly original Exactly how we, we do. You can, uh, yes, you can. You, you can, as long as you know how long it's been traveling through the universe and how where it came from, which is which is not a trivial problem to work <laughs> out, uh, yeah. then, then you can actually... Yes, say these wavelengths in the infrared would be equivalent to green or blue or whatever in visible light when you squash it back down again. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but you're, there's a lot of, I'm going to say guesswork, and a lot of astrophysicists are going to throw bricks at me. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of error in that. There's a lot of, well, how far away is this galaxy? How many, you know, um, the redshift, like how many, how far away is it? Mm -hmm. And we, we work that out by, by looking at things like supernova explosions, type 1a supernova. And because they always blow up in a very, very set pattern and a set brightness over a set period of time. So it's just what's called the standard candle. So if you see one, that's a certain brightness, and you see it right at the start, you can say, well, that must be this light. It's like putting on a, a 60 watt bulb in your house and then putting one across the across the channel or something and seeing a little, a, a, you know, a little light flickering in the distance. Mm -hmm. And then you can say, well, that's a 60 watt bulb. Therefore, it must be this many meters away or this many kilometers away. Okay. Same with a supernova explosion. So that's one way. That's one. There's also things with Cepheid variables. There's other cool ways of working this out, but they all have their levels of um, inaccuracy. And, and another thing, a big problem here is we have issue right now with the expansion, the Hubble constant, like the, how much the universe is actually expanding is a number. So you might, uh, uh, 75 megaparsecs per kilometer, um, megaparsecs per kilometer squared. So oh, is that right? Yes. So basically what this says is, so what that number means that for every, every, uh, 75 megaparsecs you are away, then that it, the universe is going to be expanding so there's so many kilometers like, mm -hmm. per second away from you but that number is not it could be lower or higher and different experiments come up with different numbers so we just don't know and what's weird is different experiments will give you non-overlapping numbers all right so some yeah. might be some might be 71 to 76 and then some, one might be 60 to 65 and they don't overlap or even lower and mm -hmm. so it means our experiments are somewhere wrong in there sorry i'm i'm blithering away no no so it's what i'm saying is <laughs> We don't, what I'm saying is we don't, we, 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 when people say, oh, it's definitely things really, 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 really ridiculously far away. We can't honestly say how far away it is. We can say within this error band of a large error band, it's probably over here, but mm -hmm. the dirty, dirty little, Anton, the dirty little secret is we don't, we don't actually know. Don't tell anyone. It's, it's, it's just between you and me, Anton. We don't, no one actually it's you could become an astrophysicist and win a Nobel prize if you could work this out because it's a it's a big issue and there are people fighting they're like astrophysicists hitting each other with pull cues over this it's very <laughs> exciting <laughs> i sometimes um wonder because obviously we we can't go off to a, a really distant star and um actually measure it to make sure it's right so part of me thinks well if you've got it all wrong i mean we're like wildly oh. out and uh just yes. what we've observed yeah. and we go oh this seems right and then we base everything we know on this and then it builds and builds yeah. and builds in itself yep absolutely and it could be there's interesting things happening interesting ideas like well maybe the universe expanded there's this thing called inflation at the start of the universe where the universe just went exponential like expand right at the start was just like boom and expanded everywhere ludicrously fast and then it slowed down we think because mm -hmm. we have a universe but now there's other idea according to dark energy there's some ideas that maybe it 
it's not the same. Maybe the expansion of the universe is slowing down or speeding. Well, expansion of the universe is speeding up, sorry, because due to dark energy, it's being pushed out faster. But there's an idea that maybe that isn't constant. Maybe this has been faster and slower in the past. Mm-hmm. You do all these weird things. It's all nebulous at the moment. We're not we're not sure if if we're looking at it the right way. But it's really weird to go. We don't know anything. We're like to quote Douglas Adams, we're 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 just apes in, in really cool shoes, and, you know, who like mobile phones. We've only just started. Like people kind of go, well, humans, we're the pinnacle of everything. Like we've we've only we've only just started. Like Newton was only four hundred, no, no, eight, no, two. Uh, well, Galileo was four hundred years ago. Newton was two hundred years ago, two fifty. So, yeah. yeah. So we're not. We're just at the start of it all. We're just getting there. Like I, I'm still angry because when I'm, I'm, I'm always angry. But um, <laughs> that's my secret. Uh, I, when I was your t- age, Anton, I was ready to go to space. I was like, I, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to go into space. I'll, it's going to be great. But then we're still messing around trying to get back to the moon, which is going to be soon. Thank goodness for you. Uh, not so great for me. And, <laughs> and so we've had this really big slowdown and. That, only now are we finally kind of getting out of this, oh, who cares about space and finally going, yes, space. Uh, it, could, it could solve the problems or it could make more problems. Probably mm. both. <laughs> yeah, it depends uh, who's running it. <laughs> well, it, look, it's not space isn't the problem. Humans are the problem, yeah. as yep. per usual. Mm-hmm. Some of my best friends are humans, but also not. So, you know, like it's... <laughs> it's uh... <laughs> um. I had a question that it's left my head now. It's really bad. Do you have any questions, Anton? Whilst um, I try to remember, I'm not sure. Not not yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Drake, can I can I talk about? Can you talk about um, imaging? So we mm. talked about the James Webb. Yeah. And I just wanted to talk about the, if I may, uh, the, I think some really important imaging that that I that I think people should know about. So mm. where images have really pushed science and also pushed interest in science. Uh, so. Uh, there's the, you talked about before but the, the Hubble, the Hubble Deep Field from 1995. Yes. So that's it. That's when you when people don't realize what that is. See, they're looking, they they pointed the Hubble telescope over ten consecutive days at a tiny bit of space, smaller in the sky, that much much smaller than the full moon. So think of it, much much smaller than the full moon. And they just looked at it for ten days and they took all these images and then they found thousands and thousands of galaxies in this blackness. And they, everyone went, oh, no. So this is 1995. They went, oh, my goodness, it's endless galaxies out there. It's just galaxies upon galaxies. And that was only 1995. That's, I know that's a million years away for you, Anton, but it's, it's, that's in my living memory. And it's not even that far away. And, and that's what it changed how we thought about the universe, this picture of the double the Hubble deep field. Then there's the ultra deep field, and then it just gets crazy. But that picture showing galaxy after galaxy after galaxy really changed how we look at the universe. And and that's when I, when, well, not I realized, but people started realizing we have to put cameras on everything. Like it's just with like webcams we have and, and cheap cameras, you just whack them on your spaceship, on your rover, wherever it is, because it makes these cool, yeah. cool pictures. And it gets people interested in science, and it does real science too. Yeah, I remember seeing the deep field. I just showed Anton actually quickly now um, on my phone, mm. and you look at it, and you know, we look at I know a picture of space, and you see all the all the stars there. But if you imagine mm-hmm. every star is a galaxy, there it's just yes, the number is yep. insane. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It, it, there's there's tens of thousands in that image. I'm pretty confident. So that's a, it's ludicrous. 
Um, more recent ones that blow my mind, uh, 2019, so only recently, the M87 black hole, first mm-hmm. time, the, the Event Horizon Telescope, which is, a, which is a whole, it's a telescope array, all these telescopes working together on Earth, took, a, took a, an image of a black hole, well, of, a, of the uh, accretion disk of a black hole. And it was, if you know the picture, uh, Anton, just type in M87 black hole picture and you'll find it really, really quickly. It's beautiful. And this is just a black dot with this big orange swirl around it. And it's the, it's billions of times, I think 6 billion, I think, times the mass of our sun. And this is at the center of this galaxy called M87. And, And when you see that black dot in the center, just to give you an idea of scale, from the center of that black dot to the edge of the accretion disk is from the sun to the planet Uranus. So most of our solar system fit inside this black hole. If it, it, it's the insane. blackness of that, mm-hmm. which yeah. that gives you an idea of what you're looking at. It's madness. And now we can take it. Human beings have taken a picture of a black hole and the, its accretion disk, the, the disk of swirling material around the outside. Unbelievable. Just that blew my mind. Um, I have to mention one called the GLEAM image. So the G-L-E-A-M image. That's part of the organization I work for. And that Dr. Natasha Hurley Walker, it's a radio image. So the GLEAM radio image. And that's a radio image of the night sky. And you can see the galaxy in radio. And it shows you all these things that happened in the past, which are still glowing in radio. So supernova remnants, so they're still glowing in the night sky in radio. You can't see them invisible, like they blew up thousands of years ago, if not longer, but it's beautiful images. And what, if you look at that image, Right now, you see those little dots that aren't part of the main band, the orangey band, all the little dots mm-hmm. to the north and south. Of them, they're not stars, they're galaxies. So they're radio right. galaxies. <laughs> so every, there are hundreds of thousands of galaxies in that picture that you can see, hundreds of thousands. Every one of those dots is a, is a radio galaxy of billions of stars. And that's a, yes, that was a, my organization worked on that. Dr. Natasha Hurley Walker, um, unbelievable scientist. And uh, that was in 2016. So it's not just using visible light. We talked about infrared before. This is using radio waves. Mm-hmm. So really, 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 really stretched out light. Crazily stretched out light. So that's a lot. Of- and then, of course, uh, Parker probe. It's just, it just got very close to the sun, flew through its corona. You see video of the coronal streams. You go on the internet, just type in Parker probe. Uh, corona as a video and you'll find coronal streams of the sun going past in black and white uh, and then you've got all the different rovers like the what break might breaks my mind is now there's a little helicopter sitting on mars ingenuity mm-hmm. and it flies around and takes pictures of things and perseverance watches it and they're working together you have one robot vaguely small suv sized doing its thing and then a little helicopter sort of doing its own thing and it, and you just go i live in an age we all live in an age where we can put helicopters onto other planets. Amazing. Just, yeah, and incredible. have cameras on it. <clears throat> it's just, and we're sending, have you heard, oh, sorry, I'm very excited. Have you heard <laughs> of the Dragonfly? Have you heard of the Dragonfly, Anton? The Dragonfly project? I don't think so. Yeah, you should look this up. You're going to find this pretty cool. Dragonfly is, is being accepted now. It's going to be a octocopter, I do believe, a nuclear powered <laughs> octocopter being sent to the moon of Titan, which is the big moon around Saturn and it's going to be able to fly around Saturn to land well it'll land unpack and then it will fly itself around Saturn for long periods of time and it will and so we're going to send a nuclear powered helicopter to another planet and we're going to fly and that's that that's relatively soon probably in the next 10 years or so uh 10 15 I think so keep an eye out for the dragonfly just that 
we live in the future. All right. Yeah, that's I'll amazing. I remember um, the footage, I think it's the Curiosity Raver when that was being dropped. And they, they had the, like, the filming, not the latest one with the, uh, the Sky Train, but the one before. And I watched mm. that footage so many times. And then, then it'd be on YouTube. And then somebody would pop up and they'd, they'd done the image stabilization on it and enhance the details a bit more. Then somebody else would take that and make it better and better. And it's like every yes. time you get more and more detail. And it's just, it's fantastic. It was just like this proper alien world that we're getting these incredible pictures right. from. It's just, yeah. So cool. we can, we can now we now have as a Mars is the only planet in our solar system entirely inhabited by robots, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And so we now have a lot of ideas about Mars, and we're getting more ideas, but we need more. And let's be honest, robots are great, and rovers are great, but a human being could probably do what the rovers take it, what they've all done. A human being could do in a week, probably, because <laughs> uh, yeah. it takes a long time for these rovers to wander around. They're not like honing off at 60 miles an hour like they're not doing that they're they're slowly and methodically doing their work because they don't die uh and fall over because no one can just there's no aa coming to pick them up mm -hmm. so no one to help them if they get stuck so they have to take it be take it methodically but a human being can go there but the problem with that is of course you know death uh that's always yeah. a big one and say so, and uh but 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 and this is this is an ethical question anton which i'm interested in your take on is 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 it okay to, to send a human being who wants to go with the understanding that they may die or they may be very, very sick when they come back? Is that, is that, is that okay? Is that, is that something that humans should, can do? What's, what's your take on that? I think that, um, well, if the person like chooses to do that, uh, I think we would discover a lot more, but I think the loss of one person might be a little bit, I think you'll get more gains. Um, in the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's very, very Star Trek. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't read the newspaper that's headlines. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Anton sends astronaut to death. Uh, <laughs> but, but no, no, look, and that's, look, I'm not, I'm, there's no trick question there. It, it is an ethical question we have to answer, ask ourselves and people have to make that decision for themselves. Is it, is it okay for us to send people, do, for example, would you, as in 10 years, let's say, or 20, 10, 15 years, would you want to go live on Mars if you knew you could never come back? Uh, well, I'd, I'd like to see other people like uh, there first and tested. <laughs> oh, that's um, fair enough. Yeah. But uh, uh, I'm not sure. It depends who would come with me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's, I don't think it's uh, your dad. I think he's not, he's not going with you. I, I like trees but, too much. But, and some people say that people go why would you want to go to a dead planet and and uh and some people go why wouldn't you and that's that's human beings all our lives we've and all all humanity's like existence you have some people who like want to stay like imagine they all a village and they all live in a valley and, and some people say let's just stay in this valley forever it's got grass and and a field and cows it's great and other people go Ah, but there's a hill over there, and I'm, what's on the other side of that? And you're a mad person. Now you're a mad person, and then they split and they go their own ways. And neither of them are wrong. It's staying where you are is probably a good idea. It's probably a really safe thing to do mm -hmm. to go. But but what happens if a flood comes through and kills everyone? You, maybe the other people will survive longer. We we're both required. I think people in my in my opinion, just my opinion, uh, we need people who are staying homebodies. We need people who are adventurers. Uh, both are very, very required and do cool things. Mm -hmm. uh, I am, I think, an adventurer, but I do like 
comforts of home. <laughs> so uh, it depends on the day. Yeah, you'll be on the fourth or fifth ship out then. Once people have got things settled oh. and there's some home comforts on the planet, then then you go join them. Mm-hmm. So when they when they need a podcaster, that's what they. I'll be uh, there. Yes. I'll be abs- with the smartest, the better comedy blimp will be up there. We'll just float it up higher and higher into a very. How will that work in the Martian atmosphere? Will, will that be fine? <laughs> Uh no. You no, you could you could you could make up the, the Martian atmosphere is one percent. Yeah, one percent that of, of Earth. So you could you can fly things in the Martian atmosphere, you just need very big wings. So we would just need an incredibly big gas bag uh to to to, to fly if we we're floating, you know, in a blimp style. Mm-hmm. But helium is lighter than carbon dioxide, so that's fine. It would it's a much less dense. So you just need a much bigger um bag but it wouldn't be have to be too big i haven't thought of this before now you make me think because uh, <laughs> the gravity is lower so you'd have lower pull of gravity holding you down but the atmosphere would would not hold you in place it's it's almost it's almost a vacuum one percent is pretty vacuumy mm-hmm. uh but things can fly there so like the helicopter can fly of course yeah uh, so yes you could make a gas bag big enough to 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 pull you off the ground but i don't know how big it would be I'll get on to Dan. Dan's a technician. We'll 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 Thank work you. it out later. Um, <laughs> and aren't we running out of helium? So you'd have to <laughs> mine that somewhere as well on the way, which yes, is off but, an uh, asteroid look, or something. That's one of those things. More helium is being made. It's one of yeah. We've on, the, on our podcast many many years ago. We were very anti helium being wasted, but it, we should probably do a follow up on that because it's not quite as cut and dried as that anymore. You know, lots of it's being found, and and yeah, it's it's an interesting question. But that's space. Space is everything you need. <laughs> space, space, everything is up there. It's all, it's all just has to be, get grabbed. So, uh, I mean, it, you wouldn't have a lot of helium on Mars because it's basically it floats out of your atmosphere. But yes, you, you'd find something small. You make hydrogen. That's, you just need just take water and then you crack it into oxygen and hydrogen and then you send it into space and then you send it into a bag. And you're probably going to be okay because hydrogen only burns when there's oxygen. That's, oh, that's yeah. yeah. I was just thinking Hindenburg com- then, but yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> no, you'll no. be right. It, it's carbon dioxide. So yeah. you, you could light all the matches you want on the outside of it. It's not going to blow it up because there's no oxygen. Just don't just don't light a match inside your oxygen-filled cabins. That would be a problem. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, you need oxygen to burn. That's why it, you know Jupiter is made out of mainly hydrogen. But if you threw a match into Jupiter, it's not going to blow up the planet <laughs> because it, there's no oxygen. It's a combustion process, which is hydrogen and oxygen. Yeah, making water as a byproduct. Yeah. And I think um, See, problem solved. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> and uh, nuclear fusion as well. That isn't helium meant to be a byproduct of that? Potentially. Oh, I don't know. I, I think know. Um, fusion. Fusion's still very much. Uh, yeah, if you can do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. Unfortunately, I don't. That's not my. I don't know that at all. Yeah. Okay. I'm not a fusion guy. Sorry. <laughs> that's all right. It's okay not to know things. I'll look it up later on the internet. <laughs> yes got it in our pocket now <gasps> i know magic that's something they never told us when i was your age anton they kept telling me oh we'll have flying cars and no more poverty and and we're living in space no one said and by the way you'll have the internet on your in your um pocket and you'll be able to download all the pictures of cats you ever wanted <laughs> and you'll be able to argue with people strangers on the internet to your heart's content people you never meet and call them rude names <laughs> but no anywhere in the world anytime day or night no one told me that <laughs> 
Yeah. Think it's such an amazing future. Yeah, you, you can be the worst person you want to be, but you're hidden behind a screen, so it's okay. <laughs> Everything's fine. And yeah. You only have to worry about you, and you only need to worry about your own moral situation. And, uh-huh. you know. mm. Anyway, that's a different thing. <laughs> I quite often ask the question: uh, anything that you can't explain, or aliens, for example. Have you seen yes. anything like that? <laughs> have I? No, unfortunately not. And uh, th- look. Th- there's, there's never been any aliens on Earth. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna categorically say that. Uh, there's no evidence for it. And people go, what about these videos being released by the military, blah, blah. And every time you look at them, people go, people who know how video works go, this is really easily explained by digital video, not even effects, but as in artifacting or, or, or the the way that cameras take pictures of light. It's really, really not difficult to to explain. Um, and beyond you know, aliens, the laws of physics don't help us. <laughs> it, it's, we can't, nothing travels faster than light as far as we're aware. And more to the point, the universe is huge. Like I just, people don't get how big the universe is and how stupidly large it is. So our, our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy is like, let's say a hundred billion stars. So a hundred thousand million stars. That's a lot. And the closest one is four light years away. So in this disc, it's 100,000 light years across. And a light year, do you know what a light year is, Anton? Mm-hmm. So can you explain that light year to me, please? Um, I, I, I saw, probably not, because I'm not great at explaining, but I, I, I sort right. of understand what it is. Have a go. So a, a light, <laughs> a, no, no, sorry, it's a, it's, is, it a, is, it a, is it a distance? Is it a, is it a, a length of time? What is it? I think it's like how fast the light travels but um i'm not fully sure completely you're almost there it's how far light travels in one year yeah i thought so that's why we call light year so light travels at three hundred thousand kilometers a second so (laughs) that gives you an idea and and, and it's ridiculously fast and but it's also very very slow we'll get onto that very soon uh and giving some context what that three hundred thousand kilometers a second actually means our Earth, the diameter of our Earth, the sorry, not diameter, the circumference of our Earth is roughly, very roughly, uh, thirty thousand kilometers, roughly. So that means, in a, if you say thousand and one, so you get thousand and one. That means a light beam would have gone around the Earth ten times, thousand and one, ten times. So that gives you an idea. Now, then you say, well, how far away is the Moon? The Moon is roughly a uh, one and a half light seconds away. Uh, so that it's, it takes about one and a half light seconds for the light to reach us. And then the Sun is about eight light minutes away. So that's 150 million kilometers. I work in kilometers because I'm sensible. Sorry yeah, no, that. that's good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're kilometer people here. And, and then so, and that's just our solar system. The next star over the Alpha Centauri or Proxima Centauri is 4.2 light years away. That means that light left. Oh, you can see. Um, oh, you may have difficulty. Can no, you can't see it where you are. Oh no. We're <laughs> in the north. We've got the boring You're skies. The, you've got oh, you have amazing skies, but we have we have such better skies than you. <laughs> we have all the cool stuff. Uh so have you heard of the Southern Cross before? The constellation of the Southern Cross. I have. Think it's so. like it, 
it looks like a cross and it's got these two stars that point at it. It's called, we call them the pointers because that's what Australians do. We point out obvious things and we call them what it is. So these two stars pointing in a line at the Southern Cross. The one that's closest, the brighter one, is called Alpha Centauri. And that's the next star over in the night sky. This doesn't help you at all. Uh, any of your Southern Hemisphere listeners, the Superior Hemisphere, uh, <laughs> then they um, they know what I'm talking about. They, they, can, they know what the Southern Cross is. And so that's the next star over. That's the Alpha Centauri. That's 4.2 light years away. So when I go into the night sky now, like look, look at my window and I'll be able to see the Southern Cross later on. That light left four years ago. So in 2017, it was emitted by the star and it's been flying through space for four years. And it hits me in the eye. So when I see it, that's the next star over. Our galaxy is 100,000 light years across. So light took 100,000 years. Think, think where, think what was happening a hundred thousand years ago. There was no civilization on Earth. There was nothing like we, we were, we were, we were. Uh, I think we were. I think we were just out of Africa at that point as as human mm. human beings. So, because I know human beings got to Australia anywhere between fifty and eighty thousand years ago. So, a hundred thousand years ago, humans were kind of leaving Africa and wandering into Europe and meeting Neanderthals and having a grand old time. Um, yeah, so really cool stuff. That's our galaxy, Anton. That's just one galaxy. Do you know how many galaxies we can see in the visible universe? Any um, ideas? Lots. Here's a guess. <laughs> lots. The answer is, I'm going to say a butt ton. Like it's 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 <laughs> a. It, that's a scientific number. It's uh -huh. it's a lot. So it's a hundred billion, roughly, galaxies. So a hundred that we can see in the visible universe. That's just what we can see. That doesn't, that's not, you know, who knows what's beyond that. So a hundred billion. So you take a uh, hundred billion stars in one average galaxy, and then you times it by a hundred billion galaxies and you get a very large number, quadrillions, like ludicrously large number. So that's a lot of stars. And where I'm going with, I realize I'm kind of talking around in a circle here. What I'm trying to point out here is there's a lot of space, but they're separated by ludicrous distances. Like the distance between our galaxy and the next galaxy over the Andromeda galaxy is millions of light years. So the Andromeda galaxy is two and a half million light years away, I think. Check. So that means the light left two and a half million years ago. Human beings didn't exist on planet yeah. Earth two and a half million years ago. There were no human beings. So when that light left, so when you see Andromeda in the sky, that there was no humans back then. So it's, it's nuts. That's the next galaxy over. So the space is ludicrously large. It's, it's very unlikely that anyone could travel those distances to get to us uh, with understanding the laws of physics as we understand them. Now, to answer your question, though, are there aliens? Here's where it gets interesting for me. On planet Earth, everywhere we look, there's life. So everywhere. We, we can't turn a rock over without finding something nasty, especially in Australia, that's going to bite us and kill us, <laughs> lay its eggs in our head. You know, that's Australia. And it's just what we live with. It's fine. And we, look, we don't have bears. You guys get bears and not, maybe not you. But, but yeah, but nothing yes. dangerous here at all, I don't think. It's, it's, well, maybe maybe the seagulls. Yeah, that's the they, worst. Well, gulls. Gulls are pretty scary. Yeah. And you have, you have big gulls too. We have smaller gulls. You have big... When I was... I was last time I was in Britain... And yeah, sitting on Brighton Beach and these the, the biggest animals I've ever seen came up and demanded chips. Yes. And I couldn't say no because they they were they were like bigger than me. Like they were huge. <laughs> just monster monster birds. Anyway, I digress. There's lots of different life. And we used to think, oh, you have to have life, uh, water, and it has to be a certain temperature. But we now find it extremophiles in unbelievably hot water and unbelievably salty water and unbelievably um uh, 
uh, acidic areas and places with no light and places at the bottom of the ocean. Tardigrades. Have you ever heard of tardigrades before? Water mm-hmm. bears? Moss piglets? We've been trying so to find them be- with our microscope, but failed Oh so my far. goodness. They, they, they're there. Keep looking. Uh, they're, they're everywhere, the little buggers. And they, uh, and they can survive in space. We've, we've opened up and left them out for days in, in open space in low Earth orbit. And they've come, they, they go into a little hibernation and they come back and they're fine. So life seems to be really, really, really strong. So my take on it, we don't know. We have one data point for life in the universe. And that's, that's us, that's planet Earth. But life seems so pernicious it's it's so sticky it doesn't it's it's just gonna hang on like the universe has hit it with rocks and crush and it's 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 like raised carbon dioxide through the roof and it's made uh volcanoes destroy everything and life finds a way to quote uh ian malcolm from from jurassic park one of the best scientists (laughs) ever so uh it's it life just seems to hang on so here's my opinion Here's my opinion, not my professional opinion, just my personal opinion. I think life is pretty common. And if life can form here and life can get, uh, we found uh, Earth, uh, Martian rocks on Earth and we, we found Earth rocks on Mars from meteorite impacts. So we, I'm confident life can, can spread that way, like a, like a virus basically yeah. spread <laughs> around. So if there is life out there, it's, I think we're going to, I think it's, I, if you have almost 0% chance of life existing, but above, above zero, and you times that by 100 billion stars times 100 billion galaxies, the answer is there's almost 100% chance of life of some sort. I don't mean little green people waving and that sort of stuff, but it'll be so far away, not only will we never meet it, we'll never even know about it. Like it, Because it, if they're looking at us, let's say they're, they're a million light years away, and they're looking at our planet now. They don't see it now. They mm-hmm. see it as it looked a million years ago. And a million years ago, we weren't here doing what we're doing. So they wouldn't know. They have to wait a million years. And, and a lot of bad things can happen in a million years, Anton, let me tell you. <laughs> like rocks and also climate change and blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's a whole thing. So, wow, it's a long, long answer. Uh, <laughs> seen nothing. Don't think they've ever been. I think personally life would, is probably going to be in the universe. I don't think we'll ever meet it or see it or have any evidence of it. So is that faith? Eh, kind of. It's statistical probability for me. Am I willing to be wrong? Absolutely. I would love, if any aliens are listening to this right now, please come and probe me. I am ready to be probed. I have, I've done a lot of exercises. <laughs> I'm ready. I have, I have a lot of things to teach you. Uh, so <laughs> I'd Whoa. love to be. That's right. Yeah, I, I am very excited about uh, meeting aliens. I want to be wrong. I want to be wrong. Uh, this mm. is what a bit of good scientist is. I'm not dogmatic. I'm willing to be corrected with evidence, real evidence. <sighs> is, is that, that answer your question at all? <laughs> uh, yeah, I I understood that, and I think it's a yes. very very good answer. <laughs> Thank you very. I appreciate it. Woo. I'm gonna put it on my CV. <laughs> um. Just getting back, you're talking about the scale of the universe there. And one thing I've never been able to get my head around is um, you're saying the light's traveling this long to reach us. But presumably, mm. if the universe expanded from the Big Bang, it used to be much smaller and everything mm-hmm. really close together. So I don't get how that light hasn't already passed us. Is it because actual space time is expanding? So the light is having to get through that expansion as well, if that makes sense? Oh, I see what you're saying. So yes, so well, the light is still yes. You're right. You, you, so there are there are beams of light that are coming towards us that will never reach us because it can only travel at the speed of light, and some parts of the universe are expanding faster than the speed of light because 
because the space-time itself is is expanding faster than that speed. That's the visible edge of the universe. Uh-huh. So there, there are points of the universe we will never see because it's expanding far too fast away from us. It's like, um, imagine a swimmer swimming in a river. You can swim, mm. you know, ooh, four meters a second. But if the river is moving the other direction at six meters a second, congratulations, you're not going forwards. To you, you feel you're going forward. You're going, oh, I can still, but you're actually going backwards at, at compared relative to the rest of the universe. Yeah. So yes, you're getting, you're basically the, the light's being stretched out and you're seeing that light as it comes to us from these points of the universe. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's an edge to the universe? Uh, and what, what's, mm. is there something beyond that or is there <laughs> this weird thing of nothing? Yeah, Um there's a there's a visible edge to the universe so there's definitely so it's 46 billion light years away i believe it's the visible edge of our universe so as as a radius i think that number i think that number's right i have to look it up again but that's but that's visible that's the visible edge of the universe now that doesn't mean you're gonna hit a brick wall i mean i don't think it means i'm very unlikely that there's a physical edge because you know that's just how long it takes the light to reach so that's just the distance our lights come to reach us at that point we're not um uh we don't know what's beyond that because well, that, that light can't reach us. And as scientists, we can't, but we can guess. So yeah. my guess would be more of the same. So it's just expanding away from us. Now, this is where we get into really interesting concepts like multiverse, like you know the new Spider-Man movie and, and <laughs> Doctor Strange and the multiverse of madness and all sorts of stuff. And this idea of multiverses being... Or even like I don't know if you watch all the like all the Marvel TV shows, you know, all the all the cool things like WandaVision and that sort of stuff. Well, multiverse, multiverse, multiverse. And the idea that the multiverse is sitting on top of this, but another dimension. Well, that's one way of looking at it. But another way is that if you have a if you had an ex, an inflated part of the, the universe began at some point and it, it expanded really, 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 really fast. And for some reason, which we don't know yet, the area around us stopped expanding super, super, super fast. So our local universe is still expanding, but didn't super expand anymore. There's an idea that other pockets of that universe have also stopped expanding, but they're, they're super expanding. So they're, they're, they're other universes in, they're kind of like currents inside a big cake that, that's expanding. <laughs> I'm trying to, trying to so, so there, there's, imagine, it's imagine like you're feeling like, your bread rise. Yes. Yeah. As the bread rises, the, the 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 currents are pushed apart, and those currents are universes, not just uh-huh. galaxies being pulled apart. That's one way of looking at it. And yeah. maybe they'll run into each other. So one of the ideas is if if they do run into each other, that would become obvious in the cosmic microwave background, and you'd see certain structures in this cosmic microwave background that you'd be able to notice. And we haven't seen those. So we mm-hmm. don't think our universe is pushed up like a bubble against another universe. But they could be there. This is these are just theories, by the way. Like this is not like definite. This is all very new. That's why I'm like panicking when you ask these questions. I'm like, this <laughs> this is all bleeding edge. Oh, well, so many walks of shame and, and very important. And, and, and the answer is that no one really knows yet. Mm. Uh, we just don't know. And once again, Anton, it's something that you could get involved in multiversal theory. And, and it's what's interesting about multiverse is if you asked me 10 years ago, I would have said, don't be stupid. No. Now you're like, oh, actually, we, we can't ignore it anymore. Like it's, it seems to be built into the, the physics of it all now. But we'll see. Uh, so I think the universe has lots of pieces to it. And I think it, if the inflation theory is correct, it started and it started expanding unbelievably quickly. And I have an inkling, I have a feeling maybe that it never stopped expanding faster than light. So it's just took off and did its thing. Now that means that maybe the start of our local universe is not the start of 
the universe, if that makes sense. It's just our local universe. Mm. Maybe we're just a bubble inside a bigger bubble. And we, we don't know. The answer is we don't know enough yet. We haven't got enough evidence yet and we can't test it yet, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> so, yeah. And what's funny is the fact that we can even ha- ask these questions. And I, once again, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, we would have gone, I don't know. But now you're like, well, there seems to be evidence of this here. And like, why is like things like, here's one. If you think about them, you have fridge magnets at home, like, you know, little magnets mm-hmm. put in your fridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So consider your fridge magnet. You put a little, that tiny little bar and you go, and you put it on your fridge and it, and it just stays there and it holds up a piece of paper, your bills or whatever, a cool picture you've drawn. But consider what it's doing for a moment. That little magnet is fighting the gravity of the earth. That little magnet is fighting all the earth. The, the earth is saying, you come here, come down here. And it's grabbing that magnet. They, they're pulling on each other. And, and it's the whole earth is trying to pull it to the ground off your fridge. The whole earth. And that little magnet holds itself up on your fridge. How? How's it doing that, Anton? Do you, what, what, what force is it using? Um, I, I'm not sure. I probably should know because at school you've been learning no. forces a bit more. <laughs> it's, a, elect, it's electromagnetism. So it's mm-hmm. electromagnetism. So that's all right. So electromagnetism, that little magnet can, has enough power to, to force. It can, it can make, create a force greater than the entire planet Earth's gravity. So, and you think, how does it do that? How does that little magnet create such a powerful force? It can fight the whole planet Earth. And the answer is gravity is unbelievably weak. We think of it as super strong because if you fall off a building, you get splat, but <laughs> it's, it's actually super weak. So gravity is, oh, sorry, electromagnetism is one by 10 to the 40. Do you know exponential notation? Have you done that before? Do you know what that means? One no. by 10 to the 40? Not okay, really. Let me explain that. So that's right. So one by 10 to the 40 means one with 40 zeros after it. Mm-hmm. So one, zero, 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 zero. I'm not doing it all. So one, 40 zeros. So a million is one with six zeros after it. A billion is one with nine zeros after it. Mm-hmm. This is one with 40 zeros after it. Electromagnetism is one by 10 to the 40. So one with 40 zero times stronger than gravity. Why? And yeah. we don't know uh, why. And the answer is, I don't know. I don't know. No one knows. Gravity, um, so strong nuclear force, weak nuclear force, and electromagnetism are, are many, 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 many times stronger than gravity. Gravity is is the weak, weak custard of the of the forces, and it behaves very, very differently. Why? Don't know. No idea. So electric, there's like quantum gravity theories. There's because you have oh, you have like relativity, like the study of the really big and the really fast, like planets and galaxies. You have relativity over here, and then you have this quantum physics, which is the study of the very small. And, and they're great theories, like relativity. Well, I mean, we wouldn't have computers without it. And same with quantum computing. These are the two theories that work beautifully, but they don't talk to each other. So when you try and make things relativity, relativity really small and you get to the quantum level, it doesn't work. Or if you take quantum level things and you make them really big, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Those two theories, even though they're great theories to the ninth decimal place or even 12th decimal place correct, they don't talk to each other why it's mind-blowing how can we have these two amazing theories that don't talk to each other i don't know work it out anton i'm too old and too <laughs> too full of, of custard at, yeah too yeah theory of everything that's the thing we, these are amazing things that we have to work on these are and and um i forgot why i mentioned this why did i get onto this so i've got excited i started talking about relativity um oh yeah so uh, gravity just seems to behave differently to electromagnetism to stronger nuclear forces and we don't know why 
we maybe there is no gravity force maybe it's just space-time the curvature of space-time whatever that means like you know that's what relativity says it is so is there a graviton particle is there is gravity a force or is it just like uh, what is it like it's it's yeah it, there's, a, there's a lot to learn and, and we more to the point there's a lot there's a lot for us science is not just a big book with all the answers written in it no matter what your teachers say there's a lot we don't know yet and there's a lot of really cool things to discover phew long answer <laughs> <laughs> thank you uh, i think actually you bring up some good points there with science I, mean, I don't think enough people understand the process that goes through they think that science is something that's written then it's done and they don't realize that it's constantly evolving and questioning itself oh. and rewriting itself and that's so viable that people looking around on a corona and something where people don't understand the science there or they don't understand mm -hmm. the reason for wearing masks or the reason mm -hmm. to be vaccinated and think oh well i'm not totally immune to it it's not that it's it's all part of an evolving process and incremental yep. steps and in our understanding this is science works really well because it's i find really funny that I, I sometimes have conversations with people so i take an uber or something and they go oh yeah aliens but you know it's questions like you asked anton come on come on mate you know aliens <laughs> come on tell me about the aliens and you're like nah i'm sorry there's none and they're like yeah but you would say that like you'd keep a mm. secret I'm like no I, no i wouldn't no i can't shut up listen to me i can't shut up and <laughs> and i'd win a nobel prize if i could prove it you yeah. know i'd be the most famous person on the planet and beyond that beyond that I, and every scientist i know scientists can't keep their mouth shut and there's no way and more to the point if you could keep let's say anton you were the scientist keeping your mouth shut and i discovered it i would dob you in because <laughs> because that's what science is about dobbing it's not dobbing it's a bad way of putting it but as in you do work and then i look at your work and say oh that's an interesting paper by anton i like this paper but he's wrong he's, he's right x y and z but a b and c he's incorrect and that leads to a different thing and so i write a paper saying anton wrote a very interesting paper and i agree with him on x y and z but a b and c is wrong and then you're like you bastard and then you write a paper back and so and some people come and check your work and my work and then suddenly people are checking each other's work and so it's not just we have to believe anton or we have to believe greg it comes down to people are checking it all the time it's out there in the universe it, it isn't Doc Brown working on a DeLorean time machine all by himself in the basement. That's not how science works. Mm -hmm. It's it's being constantly checked. And more to the point, if I can prove you wrong, I can be just as famous as you for, for, for your work. And in fact, maybe more so. And so <laughs> it's just putting humans against each other. It's like racing, uh, racing, like as in running racing. Like, yes, people can running race, but other people are gonna try and run harder than you and faster than you. You've always gotta be running a little bit harder than everyone else. So yeah, I think science is this wonderful evolving thing and it can be wrong and it can be, it requires generational change. I think after a while, certain, as you get older, you get a bit more crystallized in your thinking and you get, you know, you, you have institutional wisdom, which is really important, but you have to let the next generation come in and be fabulous and be smart and turn all your apple carts over and go get out of the way old man old woman and you know, push everything over and you go oh i hate you young people Ooh, with your fancy hair and your cool clothes and your, your loud music and then they come and do cool stuff and and then you and then they become the cool new people and then they become the old people and then they get young people and ruin their lives so uh <laughs> it's always evolving it's always changing yeah <laughs> cool um actually th there's something i want to ask you about because i'm sure i heard this on your podcast um where i can't remember the name of the star system but the aboriginals who didn't have their oral language and uh, their oral history they had the dimming of the stars oh yes yes beetlejuice 
Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that is just so that, yes. incredible. Yes. That's, that still blows my mind that they, because Beetlejuice is a large red giant in Orion the Hunter. So it's the big red star in Orion the Hunter, which you definitely have in the Northern Hemisphere. Because uh, when I see Orion the Hunter, he's upside down. So, because I'm standing <laughs> on a ball on, on the other side of the planet. So Orion's inverted for me. And not just for me, everyone in the Southern Hemisphere, it's not just me. Uh, <laughs> so, and Orion. Not Ryan, Beetlejuice has a 40 day, so I'm pulling this out of my head here, 40 day um, very variable brightness. So it changes its brightness over a 40 day cycle. And the indigenous Australians would talk about this war, about the, the hunter. They also called it a hunter. It was a common mm. name of the hunter, different people. They would talk about this um, hunter would, would activate his fire magic and that every 40 days, and he would attack uh, what um, uh, I've gotten. It's, she's a wise woman. It, you call it the, you call it Taurus the bull. Uh, so yeah. it's the it's it's a, it's it's that triangle that, that looks like that, that's the, the most obvious part of Taurus. And then you've got the seven sisters. They also call it the seven maidens. This, by the way, when I say they, there are 200 and something indigenous nations yeah. on this continent. Yeah. So I am very understanding that I'm talking about some of their legends and stories. I am not speaking for all indigenous Australians. Mm -hmm. And as a very pasty white man, <laughs> I am very careful with this. So just so yes. you know, uh, but just I'm, I'm giving them my best shot here. So the story goes that their hunter guy wanted to have his wicked way with the maidens and with the seven sisters. And so he was going to have their wicked way with them. And the, and the wise woman got in the way. So, and she put, and what you call Orion's bow, so you have the big, you have the big bow. Uh, they, they actually, um, dingo, hunting dogs. So they, they're protecting, they're actually not for Orion. They, they work for the, the wise woman and they keep, uh, they were keeping her safe. And she, so he would actually fire fire from his, his, his um, basically from his, his um, from Beetlejuice. And that would be over 40 days. And so they had this story of 40 day variability. And you're like, how, how? How do they know this? How and the, and the answer is they were looking at the stars. For, when, let's face it, they're the longest contiguous culture on planet Earth. There's never. I mean, there were people obviously before Indigenous Australians, not in Australia, but as mm -hmm. in there were cultures obviously before that, but not contiguous. Not one. There's no one been around for fifty to eighty thousand years in one spot. So they were watching the stars and they were keeping oral records of the variability of stars that. It took modern science, modern sci modern times to work out what was going on because we weren't looking at for that. But like, yeah. I'd like to point out that if, if I didn't have like Netflix, I also would be like cataloging the sky. Like I'm, I'm going to blame The Witcher for watching uh -huh. the new episodes of The Witcher to um, for for why I don't go and do amazing science at night with the uh, with Beetlejuice. That's my fault. I blame Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I just thought that was amazing. Though, and it shows that we've always had that fascination with the space. I mean, all the way back. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's, yeah. and I think we're quite lucky in Guernsey that we do get fairly dark skies here. So there's no major cities and um, mm -hmm. a couple of the islands near us. Uh, there's Sark is a designated dark skies area. So we do get oh wow, like brilliant, brilliant uh, sort of clarity of the stars there. Um, yeah, but they've always held mystery for people. And uh, I think, oh, um, yeah, even with it, like, when we're talking about more scientific topics, um, for me, and I, I definitely for yourself as well, you still see that beauty even when you're going into that type of understanding. Um, oh, 
absolutely yeah. it doesn't people say that oh does, does, doesn't it ruin it and you're like, absolutely not i love understanding to a degree there's still beauty art and science are the same thing there's, there's no difference between you have to be a scientist to be an artist mm-hmm. and you have to be an artist to be a scientist you can, they're not it's ridiculous to say I, when people say oh i'm no good at science you go no you just never had an interest because you probably had a really bad teacher <laughs> and you probably had someone who killed it for you many people say it with maths oh i hate maths and i always ask who hurt you maths wise yeah <laughs> and what which teacher beat it out of you basically and you always find someone in the past who just ruined their love of maths or they couldn't see a point to it or the teacher didn't care for maths or whatever it was uh it's you, you've got to find this love of these things and the only way to do that i'll give you an example for mine in 1986 comet halley came and coming 76 years it comes around i'll be back again soon enough and in 86 it was doing its thing and my father woke me up very, very, I was very, very young. And we went out to see Halley's Comet in the sky. And it, that's a, pretty much why I'm sitting here talking the way I talk now. That was a formative moment for me, going out with my father and seeing this comet in the sky and him explaining what a comet was. And, and, and you know, we were looking down its tail. I still remember very, very clearly this kind of amazing thing that I had. And I, I went, oh, okay this is a transitory thing in the sky. And I started like, how far away is it? And he did his best to answer. Uh, you know, he didn't have all the answers, but it was enough that he pointed it out to the sky. And he's a, he's a naval seaman was. So he had like a, a good knowledge of the night sky. He could navigate from, mm. from like dead navigate, but he wasn't an astronomer, but he still had a love for the sky. Uh, and I think it breaks my heart when I, when I realize people don't look up, especially people who live in cities, they don't look up. Nice. And I take telescopes out to I literally take him out to, and for my work at nighttime, just to go, hey, let's look at the moon. People are like, why? And you, and you look, have you ever seen the moon before? Yeah, all the time. All right, which, like, what, what part of the moon do you like? Oh, I don't know. So, and you show them the moon up close with a telescope and everyone freaks out. <laughs> or you, you, you're in the middle of the city and then you go, oh, see that point of dot, that light in the sky? That's the planet Saturn. And they're like, what, really? Yeah, I'll show you. And then you, see, you can see the rings with an eight-inch dob, like an eight-inch Dobsonian telescope, not, not a big telescope. And they're like, oh my God, I can see the rings in the middle of a city in Perth or any, even in London. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but you can, you, can, you can see these sort of things. And, and it's, it's, you, everyone should be looking up at all times. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you have a love of the space and understanding of space, people... Ah, people, people don't understand why the moon phases work, and they go, "Why would you need to know?" And you go, "Because why do you need to know anything?" Like it's mm. sorry, sorry, just that's my rant. I apologize, but <laughs> uh, they were a useful form of timekeeping in the past as well. Moon phases, maybe we don't use it in the same way now, but just having that understanding. And uh, what is it today? It's the, the winter solstice today. So absolutely, how many monuments yes. are lined up to the sunrise or the sunset and I mean, yep. we've well, always been attached. I'd, I'd like to correct you. It's the summer solstice. I think you'll find. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. How about we call it the um, the global solstice number it's end of year two. solstice? Yeah, there, there, <laughs> that's right. Yes. So your winter solstice, my summer solstice. Yes, yes that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My longest day, my longest day, your shortest day. Uh huh. Um, actually, we went. We used my dad's telescope the other day um, in their garden. So Anton got a chance to look at the moon and. Uh, what did you make of that, mate? Uh, I, it was really cool, and we were looking for one of the craters because we were, um, for another episode, we were doing Warren Delarue. Um, so we were, he had a crater named after him, so we were looking at that, <laughs> uh, trying oh, to find that, and it was a full moon and a really clear um, 
night, so it was really cool. But we also looked at Jupiter, I think. Yeah, yeah. Saturn was below the horizon, unfortunately. Yep. Right. So yeah, we Jupiter's ended up seeing well. um, three of Jupiter's moons as well. It was oh, pretty wow. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. Could you see the the um, cloud tops with your telescope? Could you see the different colors on Jupiter? Like just slightly darker? Very faint kind of, yeah, texture on there. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's, you, you don't, you just need to focus it a bit better. Yeah. You, you can normally just see these bands of color, which is quite incredible. Uh, the spot's kind of hard to spot, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, you can normally find them even in light polluted areas like Perth. You can find it pretty good with, with an A. What, what size telescope do you have? I don't know. I can't remember what the zoom or anything or the size was actually. It, what's the yeah. What's the aperture on it? Like, it, well, what sort of telescope is it? Is it like a pirate telescope, like a refracting telescope, or is it a? Is it does it have a mirror in it, like a big like a mirror? I think it was a mirror, wasn't it? I don't, I'd have to ask my dad. It's a Leica one, so it's a nice quality optics. Um, okay. But yep. Yeah. How, how big is how big's the aperture? How big is the front of it? Like the, the hole that the light goes in? Okay. So, like, okay. So, you're talking about like a, you're talking, uh, yeah. Okay. So, like, what we've got like a three inch or four inch or something like that, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, that's, that's a small telescope. That's good. That's, that, that explains why you probably wouldn't see all the color. That's uh -huh. good. That's, that's fantastic, though. Good start. If, yeah. you get, if you can get your hands on an eight inch, like an eight inch or 25 centimeter roughly telescope, that's that's where that's the, that's the sweet spot. Yeah, I want to see more now. I think you do mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. And they're not expensive. They're about 500, 600 Australian dollars, which is uh, what, 200 pounds or something like that in that ballpark. Mm -hmm. So, it, you know, it's, it's, they're not expensive for it, for a telescope, a decent telescope, actually. Uh, yeah. They're not, it's people kind of go, Oh, it's thousands of dollars. Like you can, like any good hobby, you can start small and Indian mortgage your house, but <laughs> you can get a decent telescope all up a thousand Australian dollars, like Australian uh, as dollar dues or Australian pesos, uh, which is a lot less than, you know, that would be a lot less for you. It'd be 300 pounds, 400 pounds, which is not zero money. Don't mm -hmm. get me wrong, <laughs> yeah. but it's not, it, it's not like a bank breaking amount of money. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm not trying to send the telescope, by the way. I, I don't have a business running. I'm just Wait, well, well, the shipping around the world. I mean, the... <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. True. And, and take and take 400 days and get stuck in the Suez Canal. Yeah. So. <laughs> Brilliant. Do you have anything else you want to ask, Anton? Um, I think I've asked all of my questions. Greg, do you have anything else that you want to say or anything you want to plug? I will never stop speaking, uh, Anton and Rick, if you let me. But uh, yes, people, if you if you go, hmm, that ranting madman intrigues me. I want to hear more of his rants. And uh, I do a They're podcast called. <laughs> Thank you very much. I do a podcast with my with my amazing co-host Dan Beeston, and we are smart enough to know better. A podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. I've been running now for eleven years. Comes out monthly in fact fortnightly really and uh, we cover all sorts of topics science topics we get people in to talk science uh, dan and i like to just crap on about stuff we do comedy things look we are two performers with decades of experience behind our behind us uh, also trying to talk up science and have a fun time so if that interests you come on down to smart enough to know better you just you can find it type in smart enough to know better podcast you, you, you're clever you, you'll work it out uh, we're on instagram and we're on twitter and we're on we have a web page and you have to you have to when you come join us please tell dan how wonderful the web page is because he's a web designer and he writes the most elegant code like honestly beautifully elegant code and uh, so you have to tell him how elegant his code is and you make his day 
So come join me at Smart Enough to Know Better. Actually, I need to have a look because uh, I may also do the same job as him. So uh, we, we need to have Ooh. a code off. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Curiosity of a child versus Smart Enough code yeah. off. Oh, I love it. Oh, I have to, I'm going to get Dan's going to be so angry when he hears this. Because <laughs> I do zero coding and it's not my area at all. But Dan does all the coding. It's uh-huh. fantastic. More work, for, more work for Dan. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Well, uh, thanks very much, Greg. It's been really good fun chatting to you. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll make sure there's links to everything as well when we uh, put the show up. So just to make sure everybody can find you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Anton. Thank you, Rick, for having me. And everyone, stay curious about the universe. Keep asking <laughs> questions. Yes. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. That was awesome. It was really nice chatting to Greg. That was. You can follow them on Twitter at SE2KB. That's smart enough to know better. Or go to smartenough.org. Um, you can also find um, Greg on Twitter at The Wah, which is T-H-E-W-A-H. Um, and yeah, very, uh, very nice man. Had a great chat. I'm Dan Beeston. I'm Greg Wah. And we're smart enough to know better. We're a podcast of science. What's the first question you ask? Uh, How do we get a baby drunk? Comedy. What's the best way to kill Jar Jar Binks? And ignorance. Household hydrogen peroxide is like 3% to 6% hydrogen yeah. peroxide. So you can drink 94% of any hydrogen peroxide <laughs> and still be okay. Search for Smart Enough to Know Better in your podcast-compatible device. My masters just went down the toilet. <laughs> uh, that's not kind of Productions podcast. Yeah, so I highly recommend you listen to Smart Enough to Know Better as they do some fantastic science um, content, but with a really good, quirky and fun and uh, comedy twist to it, um, which I'm very jealous of because this science topics are really tricky to talk about which is why uh, I like to get people on to uh, tell us all about it instead yep so please follow us on twitter at curiechardpod facebook at curiechardpod instagram at curiechardpod or visit our website uh, the shop uh, oh you can go to the shop if you want oh, yeah. I mean Greg commented on our awesome merch uh huh uh, yeah, the shop is shop.thecuriosityofachild.com and then the website is, is uh, thecuriosityofachild.com. That's right. And if you want a little bit of um, World War II history mixed with a bit of Minecraft, check out Anton's Minecraft channel, The Curiosity of Gaming, where he has some fabulous Minecraft builds. Oh, yeah. Um, so something to keep your kiddie winkles amused uh, over <laughs> the Christmas holidays, maybe. Kiddie winkles meaning kids. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway... Oh, yep, and you can email us at hello at thecuriousofachild.com. Yep, yep. Uh, And leave a review somewhere, please. would be fantastic. And Mm -hmm. uh, subscribe or follow the podcast on your podcatcher of choice. And um, I think the last thing we need to say is happy Christmas or season's greetings or merry whatever you want to call it. Hope you enjoy our um, present. The gift of science. Love you. Bye. Bye.
Lucky, your human suits are amazing. They they fool most people very easily. I know that they're, they're, they're pretty good. These ones. That's right. Yeah, that's like vacuum sealed. Mine's getting a bit loose. <laughs> I need to get I need to get a new one. It's getting a bit saggy. It's very sad. I'm hoping to get some hair otherwise. added back onto mine. Oh, that, yes. I used to have a lot more, and then <laughs> I don't know. I, I go I go to sleep at night, and someone steals it. I don't know what's going on. It's it's very frustrating. <laughs> So uh, yes, you have merch. I'm very impressed with your merch. We don't we don't do a lot of merch on on Smart Enough. Uh, we probably should. Like we, we need throw pillows. And mm-hmm. I realize I'm going to talk to Dan about this. We've sold nothing. <laughs> we <laughs> sold it to look, two look. people, me and um, him. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of COVID, um, we did really well on the island for a long time, and then we've opened up travel a lot more. Anton's meant to be at school now. Um, but what? Um, they closed the school early, so uh, you're, yes. you're his teacher today. <laughs> oh my, I am so sorry, Anton. I am <laughs> so sorry. So that's crazy. That's, yeah, um, that's... it's just um, defence, really, where uh, we uh, called on the UK. <laughs> right, okay, so they're just like friends that you call over. They're like the big kid with the stick. They are, yeah. Like, Mess with me, you have to fight that person over there, and they're like... Exactly. They helped us out with the French a few times, I think. And, and still time. the French fisherman. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying after all these years. <laughs>